Welcome to the World Beyond the Tale, the Page Day American Gods podcast. I'm your host, James, and today we're reading page 108. Everywhere was the sound of music, jangling, awkward music, ever so slightly off the beat and out of time. Wednesday took a $5 bill and put it into a change machine, receiving a handful of brass-colored metal coins in return. He tossed one to Shadow, who caught it, and realized that a small boy was watching him. He held it up between forefinger and thumb and vanished it. The small boy ran over to his mother, who was inspecting one of the ubiquitous Santa Clauses. Over 6,000 on display, the sign said, and he tugged urgently at the hem of her coat. Shadow followed Wednesday outside briefly, and then followed the signs to the streets of yesterday. Forty years ago, Alex Jordan, his face is on the token you have palmed in your right hand, Shadow, began to build a house on a high jut of rock in a field he did not own, and even he could not have told you why and people came to see him build it, the curious and the puzzled and those who were neither, and who could not honestly have told you why they came. So he did what any sensible American male of his generation would do. He began to charge them money, nothing much, a nickel each, perhaps, or a quarter, and he continued building, and the people kept coming. So he took those quarters and nickels and made something even bigger and stranger. He built these warehouses on the land beneath the house, and filled them with things for people to see, and then the people came to see them. Millions of people come here every year. Why? But Wednesday simply smiled, and they walked into the dimly lit, tree-lined streets of yesterday. Prim-lipped Victorian china dolls stared in profusion through dusty store windows, like so many props from respectable horror films. Cobblestones under their feet, the darkness of a roof above their heads, jangling mechanical music in the background. They passed a glass box of broken puppets, and an overgrown golden music box in a glass case. They passed the dentists and the drugstore. Restore potency, use O'Leary's magnetical belt. At the end of the street was a large glass box with a female mannequin inside it, dressed as a fortune teller. Now, boomed Wednesday over the mechanical music, at the start of any quest or enterprise, it behooves us to consult the Norns. So let us... And that's our page. 6,000 Santas, as mentioned on the page, is approximately 5,999 too many. Maybe even a full 6,000 too many. But that's just me. Of course, as we hear on the page here, there's not a whole lot else that makes sense in the House in the Rock either, though. Shadow also shows that he can be a magician with some sort of stage presence. He might write it off and say that he was performing for a child, but I think as the story goes on, we see more examples of the Andy Haddock sort of personality we saw emerge a few pages ago. More and more, Shadow is forced to play coy with who he is and why he's where he is, so we can discuss it further and talk about how we think he's doing at setting up a proper story for the stage. The Streets of Yesterday opened in 1971 and were based on an exhibit at the Milwaukee Public Museum called The Streets of Old Milwaukee. The House in the Rock version is a number of brick-lined streets with various storefronts as described on the page. A pile of dolls behind a plate glass window, though? Count me out, please. Wednesday's history of the building of the House on the Rock is also curious. A man building on land he doesn't own with no idea why. In the context of the novel, something about the rock called to him. And this, I think, is a bit of a metaphor for many of the immigrants that brought gods to America. There was any number of reasons for wanting to come to America. Commonly life, liberty, or pursuit of happiness. But often they were drawn to the country by either false promises, such as there's no cats in America, or there was some other... There was some other more basic reason they came, family, or curiosity, or who knows, maybe they didn't know either. It could be that this is a stand-in for immigrants, i.e. the people who come to the House on the Rock are coming for a number, a multitude of reasons. Or I could just be talking far out of my ass. At first, the people, though, came to watch it be built. Then, they came to take part in a larger experience that they couldn't explain. 
I wonder if people leave the house with the same deeply held sense of dissatisfaction Wednesday mentioned on the previous page. O'Leary's magnetical belt is the first mention we get in the book, as far as I can remember at least, of snake oil medicine. It may be one of a few. I, I swear there is a couple more as time goes on, but it certainly ties well in with Wednesday's history as a con man. Magnetic therapy is a long history of promising but not delivering. I'm not a medical expert, and nothing I should say should be construed as medical advice, but if you want to know more, I'd suggest the Sawbones episode on magnets in medicine from April 2014. Rest assured, the inclusion of this medical device is not an accident, and I think is a subtle nod to some scams I would have expected Wednesday to be pulling off a hundred years ago or so. Which I still, I can't get over how much I want that. I want that prequel book. Just a maybe, maybe a novella, maybe even just a short story. But Wednesday pulling cons in the old west, or Wednesday pulling cons in in let's say Victorian London, that'd be fine too. But that's not America. Uh, Wednesday pulling cons in it would be great to have him in uh, Prohibition era Chicago. I mean, there's there's so many options. I have fond memories of a similar fortune telling machine to the one mentioned on the page here. It would take a quarter, and it would activate when you put your pointer and middle fingers on two metal circles on the woman's crystal ball. And I, I, I think it was J.C. Penney, but it could have been one of the more local, the local department store. It might have been Bradley's or Ames, but it sat at the exit, and it would just, it would squawk at you for, forever until you actually approached it and finally gave it a quarter. I don't think though. No, the one I remember didn't have, like, a paper fortune, as this one does on the next page. Wednesday notes that before beginning a quest, one must consult the Norns. Per Neil Gaiman's Norse mythology, the Norns were three sisters, Erd, Verdandi, and Skuld. The sisters and the other Norns tend the well of Erd, that's U-R-D, which stands for fate, and use the waters from the well to keep the world tree Yadrasil hydrated. They are most easily thought of as the Norse versions of the Fates from Greek mythology, but that's not a direct one-to-one reference. They do have a few similarities, and Neil certainly plays on that, especially if you've already read Sandman. Yeah, I know, Sandman again. Sorry, but you should really read it. It's wonderful, and I love it. There's a number of various sources on to, as to where the name Norn comes from. One states that it comes from the Norse word to wine, that is, measuring out the thread of fate. It could also come from the Swedish world for to secretly communicate, given the Norn ability to skulk in the background of one's life and influence the fate of the men and gods. Erd and Verdandi are also similar to Norse forms of to be. Erd, that which happened, and Verdandi, that which is happening, so the past and the present respectively. So the trio could also be past, present, and future, which also makes them another mother-maiden-crone trio featured here in the novel. This is a ridiculously common theme across Neil's work, so at the very least, this is another connection Neil's making to that same big idea, but also keeping it in line with other things that he's referenced in previous stories. There's more to say about the Norns, but I think I'm going to save that for tomorrow's episode. So for now... You can get in touch with the show at theworldbeyondthetale at gmail.com or on Twitter at worldbeyondpod. Thank you to Julian Granganage for his version of St. James Infirmary Blues, which we use as our theme song. And thank you for listening. I'll be back tomorrow with another page. And remember, only the gods are real.